What do you think of when you hear the year 1492? No, really, think about it. Chances are you probably said something to yourself along the lines of Columbus sailed the ocean blue in the year 1492. And yes, that's true. But even as early as first grade, we have only been taught one side of history. And this proves a perfect example. I bet you wouldn't believe me if I told you that Muslims arrived to the United States that same year. Yep, there were Muslims on Christopher Columbus's ship. Welcome back to the Hybrid Podcast. My name is Aisha, and today we're going to learn a little bit more about the history of Muslims in the United States, which dates centuries and centuries back. Let's get right into it. The history of early Muslim immigrants is an interesting yet unspoken one. It is estimated that from around 40,000 to up to 3 million Muslims were brought over to the United States as slaves, and up to one-third of all enslaved people in the United States were Muslim. These Muslims came from a variety of ethnic, cultural, and educational backgrounds, but when they had to adapt to their new environment and form new communities in the United States, many converted to Christianity. These Muslims were also known to be fluent and literate in the Arabic language, and really intelligent and Muslim slaves are even known to have helped build the White House. Since Muslims were more likely than any other enslaved people to be literate, a lot of slave owners didn't like that. And so in the decades following a slave rebellion in Hispaniola in 1522, Spain issued five decrees prohibiting the arrival of Muslims into the United States as slaves for fear that they would start rebellions. And Muslims came to America more than a century before the Puritans founded the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1630. So Muslims were living in America not only before Protestants, but before a bulk of the Christian groups that moved to the United States later on. And after Catholicism, Islam was the second monotheistic religion to arrive in the Americas. Even in the earliest days of our nation, a lot of the founding fathers had ties to the Muslim communities living in the United States. For example, Thomas Jefferson owned his own personal copy of the Quran. This exact Quran made its first appearance in the U.S. Capitol in 2007, when Keith Ellison of Minnesota became the first ever Muslim member of Congress, and he chose to use the same Quran to take his oath of office. Rashida Talib, one of the first two Muslim women ever to join Congress, also chose to take her oath on this exact same Quran. Thomas Jefferson even hosted the first Ramadan iftar dinner for Muslim diplomats in the White House. On December 9, 1805, he hosted this dinner for his guest Sidi Mani Mili, who was an envoy from Tunisia. And he was once recorded saying that he knows the American experiment would have been a success if a Muslim can become president of the United States. Records even suggest that many Muslims fought in the American Revolutionary War to help the United States be independent of Britain. And many Muslims fought on the American side of this war. 
And while there aren't many records of what their names are, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they played a significant role in helping the Americans win the war. One specifically famous portrait by Charles Peel in 1819 is of a Muslim slave named Muhammad Yaro. And it's actually interesting that I got to see this painting at the Philadelphia Museum of Art over the summer because it depicts a very similar colonial style that you see a lot of our founding fathers painted in, except of a African-American Muslim, which for many would have been uncommon during that time. In the early diplomatic history of the United States, the U.S. government actually had really good relations with a lot of foreign governments that were majority Muslim. One of the most notable examples of this is the U.S. relationship at the time with Tripoli, which is in modern-day Libya. The U.S. at the time was once allies with them, and as a thank you for helping them deal with piracy issues, the Marine Corps were gifted a sword by the government of Libya. And this same sword has now become the saber, which is part of the Marine Corps dress uniform. And even in the hymn for the Marine Corps, it mentions from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, mentioning this exact gift. And Morocco was the first country to recognize the United States as an independent nation. And it's actually really cool that a lot of these relationships with these countries that maybe are fragmented nowadays were actually really strong at the beginning of our history and played an integral role in a lot of our military units. The first mosque built in the United States was built in Chicago in 1893 as part of the Street of Cairo attraction at the World's Columbian Exhibition. But even after that, more mosques were built in the decades following in Ross, North Dakota and Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And to the findings of historical records, these are the earliest mosques that were built in the United States. Well, you might be asking yourself, why is this even important? Why do I care that Muslims helped build the White House? Or why do I care that Thomas Jefferson owned a copy of the Quran? Well, because this isn't taught in history class. It isn't talked about. Since we were children, we've only heard the story of the Mayflower and the Pilgrims, or the story of Columbus and his three ships, when thinking about the history of the United States. The history of minorities in our country at that time has been tainted and clouded with falsities for years. And the history of Muslims is just one example of that. Minority groups like Muslims are targeted in the United States on a frequent basis. There's a huge misconception that Muslims are new to the United States. And with the influx of refugees from the Middle East seeking safety, many Americans refuse to open their doors to them saying that they quote unquote just got here or should go back to where they came from. 
Yet, few realize how deeply intertwined the history of Muslims is with the history of the United States. And simply put, it's so important to learn our collective history if we want to be a unified country. And that history refers not only to that of the people who write our history books, but to those who are left out of them too. If you have any more suggestions or episode topics that you would like to share, you can always email me at thehybridpodcast1 at gmail.com or you can record a voice clip which I can insert into a forthcoming episode using the link in the description. Also, if you liked the episode, please leave a positive review or share it with anyone you know or think would be interested. With that, I want to thank you for listening and invite you to step outside of your comfort zone and seek knowledge beyond what you're taught in school. Look for the other side in every story you hear and grow to be curious of other people, other cultures, and their history too. Everyone, whether they know it or not, has a rich history behind them. And I invite you to explore that side of you because while it may not seem relevant, it certainly makes you who you are. Until next time, The Hybrid is signing off. Thank you.